What's going on, everybody? Kyle here, and uh, we've got a fun episode of Nice Grass, Nice People for you today. I'm joined by my friend Andy Furtig. We're going to be going through uh, some different news items, and then we're going to be talking uh, some golf formats for tournaments. Uh, if you got a trip coming up, you know, a group of 12 or more guys or gals or friends, uh, and you're trying to think of some fun games to play, we were throwing around some different tournament ideas, uh, both for a tournament that we're going to be playing in and also as a uh, a means to give you something to work off of if you've got something planned for yourself. So uh, before we get to the podcast, I want to let you guys know that this week's episode is proudly presented by Suave Golf. You can visit suavegolf.com. Check out our sabbaticals we have coming up. We've just posted and opened registration for next year's Bandon Spring Jamboree, which is going to be taking place at Bandon Dunes Golf Resort Excuse me, uh, at the end of March the last weekend of March to be specific in 2024. You can go check out all the information and sign up, register at suavegolf.com. And we also are looking forward to the second annual Barefoot Classic taking place this September, Saturday the 23rd. And you can register for that and find out more information about the Barefoot Classic at suavegolf.com. Okay, let's not dilly-dally any longer. Let's get to the podcast with Andy here on Nice Grass, Nice People. Yeah, look at this place. Oh, it looks more like a, a country club than a nursing home. Nice grass, nice people. Yeah, I hope you brought your bathing suit. Noted nice guy Andy Furtick is joining me today. Andy, you are looking svelte. You're looking great. You've just informed me before recording that you are uh, you are treating yourself to a night of sobriety on the podcast, which is a very <laughs> unwelcome change for us. But nonetheless, how are you doing, my friend? Kyle, it's great to be uh, joining you on your program here. Uh, I am just drinking water tonight. Um, but I'm sure we'll we'll make up for that this weekend with uh, with the Fourth of July coming up. Yes. So happy birthday, America! Happy birthday, Uncle Sam! Yeah, man, it's a holiday weekend. I I'm not gonna lie. Even though we host a you know a, you know a golf forward sports podcast here, I don't even know or care what PGA Tour event is happening this weekend. Do, do you <laughs> do you know what's going on this weekend? I have no idea. Yeah, that's great. Uh, for everybody listening, you don't really need to know. If there's golf on the TV and you got nothing else to watch, it's great to put it on. It's great to nap to. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say this weekend's golf relatively meaningless but that does not mean that we are short of golf related things to talk about um but you know what kyle you asked me before we started if there was anything on the rundown that you were missing yes and i totally forgot to ask you primarily because i didn't watch one second of it uh the match was tonight yes i have it recorded do you? I have it recorded. I did see, <laughs> I did see some some preliminary video of one Clay Thompson uh, taking some practice swings on the range and had maybe, like honestly, the sauciest club twirl I've ever seen. Which like one that was completely inappropriate for the golf swing that preceded it, and which <laughs> like it's just so like it's, it was just so Clay Thompson. It made me so happy. Uh, I, I will be excited to check that out tonight. I have no idea. If Travis Kelsey is a decent golfer, and I actually don't even really know what Clay's skill set is, I know there were some quotes saying that like, you know, Andre Iguodala was a much better golfer than he was, and he was excited for some new guys to come to the team that maybe he might be able to beat. Which makes me think he's not that good because I think Iguodala, last time I heard, it's like an eleven or a twelve. 
Yeah, I think he might be a little better than that. I know, I believe, I read somewhere that his uh, all-time low round, Iguodala's, is at Old McDonald's. That makes sense. It was my low round for a long time. It was not. It has never been my low round. Mm. Actually, I'm, I'm glad you... Let's save the old McDonald talk for a little bit later because it's going to come. It's going to come into play. We're go, we're going to be talking a lot about like uh, big golf tournament like format ideas, right? Because um, we, we've got a big you know big tournament coming up later this year at the uh, the Bannon Dunes Golf Resort, and then I've got a couple of tournaments scheduled for next year. Those tournaments are already in place, but I'm always I'm always curious, you know, if there's any you know other tournament ideas that I either haven't played in or things that could always make things a little bit better. So I, I figured. Today's podcast would be a, a great opportunity for you and I to kind of, you know, just workshop a couple things and maybe see if we can come up with either some new ideas or maybe really cement in, you know, one or two different kind of like tournament formats that really, you know, that really do it. And as I say that, I got some fireworks going on here above my house. It's great. I don't know if anybody Ooh. could hear that. Um, but yeah, but before we get to that, let's uh, let's hit a couple news and notes, my friend. Uh, let's see here. So let's do it. I know that. Obviously, we said this weekend's tournament doesn't matter. Uh, not even going to say the name of it because I don't know it. Not going to. Not even going to take the effort to Google it. But uh, there was PGA Tour related news this week in that the framework agreement for the um, merger that's not a merger between the PGA Tour and the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia has uh, come to light. And via Sports Illustrated, uh, this new company, which has kind of been branded as Newco. Uh, it looks like it is going to have a formal name, which is PGA Tour Enterprises, uh, which a couple writers noted kind of kills our our hopes and dreams that they were going to rebrand the company Live Under Par. Yeah, it's uh, truly a missed opportunity. I guess I read somewhere that Nuco is like a very standard placeholder name when mergers and acquisitions happen, and... Um, the to-be-determined name of the enterprise has yet to be figured out that, that Nuco is used as, like, a placeholder. So I guess um, I kind of thought it was, like, you know, Dr. Evil, uh, evil genius type stuff that they were <laughs> that they were talking about, but apparently that's not original either. But, yes, uh, huge missed opportunity for uh, Live Under Par. Yeah. That, that, 54 Under Par. <laughs> that'd be sick. Um one thing that I noticed in kind of looking over the tentative agreement, and again, this has been noted on some other you know news outlets as well, is that it's void of a lot of detail. <laughs> the yeah. fact that they came out with a framework agreement, I feel like most of us know about the same amount of stuff that we did before this was revealed earlier this week. Um, I don't know. Did you find any noteworthy revelations in the in the framework agreement that came out? No. And I think what was interesting about it was you know, when they first announced it, it seemed so half-baked and, oh, uh, they're like, you know, just kind of giving us the bare minimum of information. And once all this stuff comes out, we're going to really be able to dig into it. And then all the stuff came out and it's like, oh, they didn't really give us bare minimum information. They just like don't have a ton of information. Like it, it's kind of a, a nothing burger, to to be honest with you. I guess it just it validated maybe that like they weren't lying to us initially when they rolled it out and that it is just this like thing that Yasser and Jay decided on over a couple rounds of golf and like seems like very back of the napkin esque. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, uh, I, I equated it 
the leadership at the PGA Tour feels a lot like the leadership and management in charge of the Oakland A's right now. <laughs> I, I feel like, I mean, if is Dave Cavill, Jay, Jay Monahan, and, and vice versa? I really don't know. This whole thing with the A's going to Vegas but not really having a plan. Did you hear the proposed stadium that the A's are trying to get built in Vegas? Do you want to guess the acreage, or did you see it already? I did not see it. I think I saw like some mock-up pictures. The proposed stadium that they're trying to get built and approved in Vegas, <laughs> from my understanding, is nine acres. That seems odd. Just for some context, I believe the Giants ballpark in San Francisco, uh, formerly Pacific Bell Park, now Oracle Park, is has one of the smallest footprints. I, I think Fenway might be smaller. But I believe the Giants have one of the smaller footprints of any uh, stadium in Major League Baseball. And I think their stadium is 30-something acres. Yeah, uh, you know, not a farmer. (laughs) So not super familiar with acreage. I felt like that was small, but I didn't want to, you know, step on my tongue and have us have to restart this podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I was like, is nine acres, is that even enough? for like the field, I, I that uh, undetermined. I, I don't totally know. I I think it's. Do they just build it straight up? Who could say, Andy? Who could? Say? I mean, who could say? But uh, all this is to say, the the leadership at the PGA Tour feels like they're trying to build a major league stadium on nine acres of land. That 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 that, <laughs> that that's the kind of like <laughs> the foresight that I feel like has been displayed so far. Uh, I will say this from the. You know, framework agreement that was revealed this week, there was two things that I thought were somewhat noteworthy. Um, the first one, and I'll quote from the agreement, the parties will cooperate in good faith and use best efforts to secure official World Golf Ranking recognition for live events and players under the official World Golf Rankings criteria for considering uh, lives pending application. I thought that was interesting because as far as we knew, before this, there was only going to be a good faith, you know, um, effort to keep live or its format intact, right? Like the team golf aspect mm-hmm. intact. Now there's been a, this is a little bit more detailed in that the live events themselves are going to get official world golf ranking points. This might be nothing. This still just may be the case where they're going to have a team event, you know, portion of the PGA tour schedule yeah. that will also be able to, you know, earn official world golf ranking points. But this language makes it seem like live almost kind of in its current, form will live side by side with the PGA tour, which I find to be very surprising. Yeah. I, I just don't buy that. Like it in for a lot of different reasons, because for them, I mean, at least my novice understanding of the official world golf rankings are that there's stipulations that are required to be able to, qualified to earn points right there has to be a qualifying system there has to be 72 holes there has to be like a few things that are in place that make it a competitive enough event to qualify to receive those points Mm -hmm. and if they're not changing the format unless they're rewriting the rules of the official world golf rankings i just don't understand how that how that works. Um, I also just don't understand how you would run basically competing products 
And if that's the the thing, I think that'll that that really makes everything interesting is all the antitrust stuff and how that plays into this. And if this is a way to avoid saying, well, no, 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 it's not anti-competitive. We're not gobbling up our competitors. They're still doing their own thing. Mm. They're still, you know, running. And now they're going to be kind of folded into this larger official world off ranking thing. And that's the way that they avoid like totally getting boned by the department of justice because from my understanding, I just have a tough time seeing how this passes through any type of, of non-compete anti-competitive, um, all of that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. I can't remember. I think, I think it was Matt Stoller, uh, who runs like a sub stack and he, he's pretty convinced that the PGA tour golf deal is not going to happen. Um, then he had a, you know a bunch of citations, things like that, which I thought was interesting. So it certainly seems like there are some credible uh, journalists and people that know what's going on that are pretty skeptical that this thing is going to actually make hay, which, again, I, I'm still torn, man. I, I still don't know how to feel about all this. I think, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, it's, this is one of those things where a lot of these guys want to make more money Right, which is understandable. Anybody who's mm-hmm. working wants to make more money. Totally. Um, but they play in a sport, like a professional sport, where the viewership numbers and things like that, just the popularity of golf as a professional game is just worlds behind other professional sports. You know, when you think of like yep. football, baseball, basketball, and stuff like that. And so if there's just less eyeballs on it, then it's technically less valuable. And if it's just less valuable, I think the expectation is that, hey, when you play this sport, you're probably just not going to make as much money as if you're playing like a different sport. And if the only way for them to get the purses to the place they want them is to bring in the public investment fund, I mean, obviously, again, there's guys guys who have deflected to live that have already proven, hey, wherever I can make the most money, great, this is my job. And you know what? Like to that end, like you do you, that's fine. You know, if yeah. if that's your decision and you feel good, great. Um, but like for the other guys, you know, it's like hey. There's only so many, which means there's only so much money. So this is just, this is the purse and this is what it is. And it feels like guys that are like, no, there needs to be more money. I, I, feel, I don't know. There's a little part of me just feels like they're kind of missing the point. Like, dude, like you don't play in the NBA. Like, yeah. <laughs> granted, like I prefer you play on the PJ tour because I prefer to watch golf over totally. a lot of sports, including basketball at this point in my life. But I, I just don't understand this whole, like the, the purses have to be at a certain level for these guys to be happy when most of them should be smart enough to know that the simple economics of golf yeah. just mean there's just not going to, the purses just kind of are what they are. I don't, I don't know. Am I, am I, am I turning into an Isla standing? No, I don't No, I don't think so. I mean, you, like you said, right? Like sports kind of outside of golf is generally like a, a meritocracy and there's, Different leagues have different salary caps and ways that they compensate their players. But all of those leagues are cash cows. Like, not only make money, but make a shitload of money. Yes. Whereas golf is not that way. And I think the whole reasoning behind this... It's a fucking nonprofit, man. Yeah. (laughs) The whole reasoning behind this, outside of, um, you know, outside of the, the lawsuit stuff is the fact that they the the sponsors 
they're basically going to the sponsors and saying, hey, we, you know, KPMG, you guys throw $5 million for this tournament. We actually need you to make it 20 And I'm sure a lot of those guys are saying, man, go fuck yourself. Like, I'm all set. Like, we're, it kind of penciled at five. Like, fine. I don't know what the fuck, 20, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Like, are, is the juice worth the squeeze for those guys? And that's where I think. I would say probably not. Not at 20 million? No. Upside down. Yeah. The economics got upside down, and they have this giant bag of money that they could go kind of grovel back to and figure out, and that seems to be where all roads lead to, right? If we follow the money, the PGA Tour, it just wasn't sustainable. These, you know, elevated events and raised purses all sounds great, right? And hashtag Phil was right and, and all that stuff, but they made it a year, and I think when they went back to say, wait a second, so this is this is the thing now? This is the baseline that we're going to? And, and then you guys are going to continue to ask us for more and more and more. Like, we're not even good with what we're giving you right now. Yeah, it's uh, it sucks, man. It's like, it's like all fan, it just kind of sucks. I Granted, there's a little part of me that thinks, like, the discussion of all this and all the inner workings of how, like, the professional leagues work is pretty interesting, like in a vacuum. Yeah. But as a golf fan, it sucks that we're not just paying attention, like following the golfers and just trying to figure out, you know, who's going to win the meaningless FedEx cup or whatever. I mean, here's the thing that I will say. I'm in on team golf. 100%. Like 100%. I'm down for them to like, if executed properly, 100%. And, you know, keep listening to the end of the podcast and we'll give you all the different formats that you guys can play (laughs) and leverage for this team golf stuff. Doesn't have to be 72 hole stroke play. We can make it super weird and fun and awesome. Like, sign me up for that, dude. But the, like, now our money is going to come from the public investment fund instead of Goldman and KPMG and American Express and whoever else. Like, dude, who cares? That's a great point. Who does care? I mean, the players care, but yeah, I certainly don't care. It doesn't sound like you care. No. 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 Um, let's see here. Another, uh, the last thing I thought was somewhat noteworthy, uh, and this was also noted by Jeff Shackelford as well um, in the framework agreement, is that uh, anyone working as an employee of the PGA Tour and its partners, there is a non-disparagement agreement protecting, quote, the ultimate beneficial owners, end quote. <laughs> and presumably this includes the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia as the ultimate beneficial uh, benefit uh, and the owners of the PGA Tour, which basically means... Any employees of the PGA Tour will not be allowed to talk shit uh, about Saudi Arabia. They will not be able to voice any kind of um, displeasure with the fact that their employer is now a sovereign nation that has just very different, um, yeah, a different way of doing things. Hate that. <laughs> and, Don't like that. And if anything, I think that just, it, it sucks for the employees, especially the ones that are just, you know, not not comfortable with that sort of situation. They don't really have a choice. Uh, we were saying on a pod last week, it might have been with Boat, or it could have been the week before that with Durr, where, you know, if, like, Rory McIlroy, if this goes through, Rory McIlroy should still be able to say, yeah, man, like, I play for this tour, but, like, I just don't love that Saudi Arabia is involved. Like, I just, I, if it were up to me, I wouldn't do that. And he's fine, right? Like, he's, he should still be allowed to be truthful and not suffer any consequences um, for just voicing his opinion on different matters within the professional game. And it sounds like now the employees are going to be getting the live treatment. 
you know, oh, I saw so many women out there without hijabs on. It was just such a great place, you know. Now, like, if the employees of the PGA yeah. Tour have to kind of, you know, fall in that sort of line, that that is a bummer. But so here's what I don't understand. Is is then the independent contractor thing? Is that gone? Are they no longer independent contractors? Still undetermined. And does this apply to? Does this apply to? Because I can see it applying to PGA Tour brass and rules officials and people that actually work for the the PGA Tour itself. But in theory, right? Like these guys are independent contractors, or at least have been previously, and so does that still allow them to then? Like, do they fall under this employee bucket? And But I guess moving into this for-profit entity, there's no need for them to be independent contractors anymore, so maybe it does. I mean, I think the the example everybody talks about is Lewis Hamilton, right, with F1. Yes. And that when they have the event in Saudi Arabia, he wears his rainbow helmet and says, hey, I don't, you know, agree with the the regime here. I, I understand that, you know, I don't think the F1 should be coming here. Like he can still speak his mind, yes. Uh, seemingly without consequence, um, as he should. Does like if that is the same situation that the players will be under, then you know, it, is, is it unsavory and does it make you not feel great? Like probably, but okay, I guess if they're now under this basically a gag order to only speak super highly about the the kingdom as the um as listed here the ultimate beneficial owners of the tour then that is a whole nother can of worms and does that do guys like rory who presumably have all the money they'll ever need and their families and children's children's children will ever need Mm -hmm. does that change their how they approach you know week to week life and do they decide to just play in the major like I, I don't know because the majors are still going to remain independent from all this correct yeah the majors so, the majors will still be the majors and yeah man I do they just play in like the little virtual golf thing that him and Tiger are putting on and then and then show up four times a year for the majors like that would suck <laughs> yeah yeah that would stink um, yeah I don't know who knows? Maybe maybe the screen golf league with Tiger and Rory takes over the PGA Tour and then it goes under and then all we have is majors and screen golf. Yeah, maybe we should just blow it all what up. What a world that would start be. Start over. If you guys, if your kids can't play nice in the sandbox, we take the whole sandbox away. That seems like where we're... I mean, I don't know. I, again, I have a tough time thinking that this gets... that this passes the governmental smell test. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I think that's enough. That's that's enough of that talk for now. I I I, I think I'm now sufficiently mentally worn out from all this stuff. I to think that we only got another year or two or three of this kind of stuff going back and forth before it gets settled just really, really greases oh, my wheels. <laughs> uh, but although you did mention Rory McIlroy, let's let's uh, use that as our next uh, little uh, note that we want to hit here. Um, did you get a chance to watch much of the Travelers last weekend? Um. I watched Sunday, the last uh, six holes, maybe. Yes. Keegan limping to the finish line. Uh, Keegan limping to the finish line. 
uh, winning in his you know native uh, native land of New England. Good good for Keegan, I guess. Uh, you saw that Zach Blair shot sixty two on Sunday. Uh, Didn't see one shot that he had. I I honestly wasn't sure if he was still like trying to play professional competitive golf. I mean, he's a very seemingly successful golf course developer now. Um, Indeed. So good good for Zach Blair. Um, I, most notably, the reason I ask you about the Travelers is that afterwards there were some comments made uh, by one four-time major champion, Rory McIlroy, um, that if I'm sort of just dissecting it down into a single sentence, Rory McIlroy said basically that technology has rendered TPC River Highlands obsolete, uh, which a lot of people got really up in their feelings about uh a lot of people noting that it's not obsolete you you know rory the social media take was uh wouldn't be so obsolete if you could hit your wedges and you won then it would be fine but i we're, we're on team rory here are we not yeah let, but i mean he should hit better wedges i'm also on that team so let, let, let me like to see him like not miss a green from 70 yards in the fairway yeah so let, let, let me get you the transcript here real quick uh question that a reporter asked was uh, Roy, there's so many 62s and belows out here this week. Is this course getting too easy for you guys? Do you just need to tweak something here, or, or do you guys just you guys just kind of like this setup? And Rory's response was, uh, I don't particularly like when a tournament is like this. Unfortunately, technology has passed this course by, right? Uh, it's sort of made it obsolete, especially as soft as it's been with uh, the little bit of rain that we had. So, again, like the, the conversations going back to, you know, limiting the golf ball and stuff like that, uh, when we come to courses like this, they just don't present the challenge that they used to. Um, and then, you know, another reporter followed up by saying, uh, is, there really, is there anything you can do? And McElroy was like, yeah, you can grow up the rough and hope you get some firm conditions so it gets tricky. But I think the blueprint for really good golf uh, isn't growing up the rough and making fairways tight. That just kind of bunches everybody together. Instead, he's like, I think the blueprint is something kind of like we saw at Los Angeles Country Club, where you have wide targets, but if you miss, it's very penal. Um, and this is just not that sort of golf course. It's just not that sort of layout. It just doesn't have the land um, to do that. So, unfortunately, when you get soft conditions like this and you've got the best players in the world, this is exactly what's going to happen. End quote. Could not agree more. Um, I kind of like TPC River Islands just from a, a viewing standpoint. It, it, look, it looks nice. It seems like it's got some cool mm-hmm. stuff. It just seems like it would be way more fun to watch these guys play this golf course if they were hitting the golf ball like 10% shorter yeah I mean here's like something that got brought up the other day that I was like somewhat curious about like what if they made it like a par 67 yeah like be dope does that does that like I I can't tell if if I'm bothered like I know that when I look at the scoreboard and the first page of the leaderboard is 24, 21, 20, 19, 18, and the scores that have been posted are like 62, 62, 61, 60, 63, that like, that, I'm not, like, I don't love that, but I I, I don't know. I guess that's just, I maybe that's a, a question for you. Like, do we, do we change the part? Like, because I agree, like there's probably not anything you can do to that course to make it more difficult outside, and like par is irrelevant, right? Like, it, like par is just kind of an arbitrary thing. So, 
if we drop it, does that make me enjoy it more because they're at minus 13 instead of minus 24? Like, I, I don't know. I I hear what you're saying, and I don't totally, I wouldn't totally dismiss it. I do think that Rory's, Rory's point is most well-received from me in that the golf course just isn't playing the way it's supposed to play. Totally. You know, like, you know, you have a certain hole where, like, hey, you, I, I can't think of the one specifically, but, you know, like a short par four, like, hey, like, let's either hit a driver and deal with a lot of trouble and get up, you know, either close to the front of the green or you lay back, right? It's a very simple golf strategy where now, you know, everybody can kind of just take driver and land it land it at the front of the green. There's just really, mm-hmm. it's just not fun to watch. And even though, I don't, I don't know, it, it's getting to those scores, I think. You know, it's, it's, a, it's the journey, not the destination, Andy. Yeah, I guess I just, I guess for me, I care less about TPC River Highlands than I do like seeing them play like cool, traditional, classic golf courses. Yeah, for sure. Like those courses becoming obsolete. And this argument are, is, like, is exa- you make a per- perfect point in that. This argument is most most notable because it's the same reason that we can't watch these guys playing a lot of the best golf courses that tip out at 66, 6,700 yards. And that, I think, for me, that that is where, like, I'm not going to die on the hill for TBC River Highlands. Like, I don't fucking care. I'd rather them play it at Brookline. Yeah. Right? Like, there's, like, that course is, I I, I, I don't hate it, right? Like, I, I agree with you. I think it shows nice on TV. And again, I didn't watch very much of the tournament. But if rolling the ball back allows them to have tournaments at Pasatiempo and Pine Valley and National Golf Links and, like, places like that, like, yeah, I'm in on that. Um, and though, and like having to continually stretch Augusta and some of these courses where like dog legs and initial designs and intentions of the architects are completely irrelevant, like that sucks. Well, I, I think I, again, I, I think I said this on the podcast with Boat last week, but I, so, but even something like LACC, which actually I, w- I would love to get a quick, uh, you know, comment from you on the US Open because we have not had a chance to, to do a pod or talk since since the men's u.s open uh down in your native southern california um but you know even like lacc they had to fucking trick that golf course out to get it Mm -hmm. long enough like the first tee was on the member putting green off the patio Mm -hmm. of the clubhouse that's why they had to hit over the rose garden like i mean in order for that par five to play the way it was supposed to play they had to fuck it all up because of that that's part of the reason they decided that they weren't able to build any grandstands around 18 Right, and so there's just all these things that they're just even the great golf courses that still play as great golf courses, they're just having to do so many fucking weird things to, and and basically it's ruining the fan experience for the people that are actually there on the ground because it's taking away a lot of sight lines, a lot of places that fans would normally be where they could watch the action. That's now part of the action, so there's just less places for fans to go, and the views are going to be a little yeah. bit more fucked up. Um, and then on top of that, like most places don't have the land, or they're not Augusta where they just have tens of million dollars to throw at buying an extra acre to a property yeah, neighboring properties. yeah i mean it's, it's just it's super unrealistic and again we, we, we've said this in the pod a hundred times but i i do want to basically dap rory up for at least being like the one oh. guy that's just like man i mean we all see it like just like it's just not what how it's supposed to be and this is shitty for me because yeah. like i'm really good when the golf courses are a good test because i have a more complete golf game than everybody else 
And when you get to a golf course like they had the Travelers, where it's like 7,000 yards or less, basically it stacks the field. Like only the best players can successfully navigate the best golf courses when they're a true challenge. When it's a course like this, you know, a lot of tour pros have the game to go out and fire, you know, 59 at your local muni, right? It's yeah. it's only when they get like tested in the different ways that we like to see them get tested on the PGA Tour that the cream rises to the top. And I think that's kind of what Rory's saying here is like, yeah, what was that quote from like a year or two ago where John Rahm was playing down at TPC, uh, or not TPC, excuse me, um, the stadium course in the Desert Classic. Yeah. And like, he's it's like, it's a contest. fucking putting contest. And you know what? Like, I get it because now those courses are set up where anybody that's on tour is good enough to be hitting every par five and two, hitting every, yeah. you know, getting on or around the green at every short four, having wedges into every par four. And at that point, yeah, it's like, okay, so we're all good enough to do this. Like, Who's going to putt the best? Because that's who wins. And yep. while I do think putting is paramount, and I would love to see putting matter more, like in a sense of like, you know, hey, can you hit the green regulation and give yourself a chance at birdie? That's just not mm-hmm. that's not what professional golf is right now. And uh, I think casual fans may not know the difference just because they've never seen it, but I think if, they, if we gave them a golf product that's kind of more in line with what we're talking about, what Rory's talking about, I think they would find themselves enjoying golf even more than they do right now. Yeah. So. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think it is cool that Rory, you know, is comfortable enough with his status in the game to kind of take some of those stances. But yeah, I mean, it, and it, the other thing too is like, what's exciting about golf is like moving day and the chase, right? And like, Having some like like Justin Thomas coming back at the PGA uh, a couple years ago and things like that where there are like big swings that can happen. Like when I flipped on the golf, I kind of flipped it off because I was like, "Well, fucking Keegan's twenty six under. Like he's he's five ahead. He can't come back to the field. Like they can't catch him." And unless they go out and shoot fifty, go out. Yeah, I mean, but if you go out and shoot, you know a. 72 on on Thursday and the leaders fire 61 like you're kind of fucking out of it yeah you're just done and that I don't know it just doesn't it doesn't sit right with me you ever see a vagina by itself Andy <laughs> not for me that's all again that, 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 that's not but that, that, that's kind of how I feel it's like yeah you know 27 28 yeah. under par it's not for me um, no, I, I agree. Uh, and Superbad was on TV today. Love that. Uh, real quick, like I mentioned before, thoughts on Wyndham Clark and Los Angeles Country Club? I haven't, I haven't got to hear what you thought about this year's U.S. Open. Um, it was cool, man. It looks like a super fun golf course to play. That golf course does really look fucking awesome sick. Holes. Um, a couple of our buddies went out there and had a great time. Um, granted, they were hosting clients and like kind of do like doing a lot of what people were bitching about like you know paid a lot of money for tickets and you know got to walk around but weren't able to get to certain spots and um yeah the golf course looked awesome uh Wyndham Clark kind of a nothing burger for me um I think I had everyone else in the top five at, in some way shape or form so that that hurt a little bit uh the bankroll but it was it was a cool tournament. I I was into it. Okay. I was uh, I was pulling for Rick, and just 
ejected himself very early on Sunday. Yeah, that that was um, tough to watch. And just never had a chance. Um, so that was a bummer. And then was pulling for Rory, like I always am. And that was kind of a bummer. And I just sort of thought Wyndham Clark was like the least exciting way that could have ended. But, you know, props to him. I mean, he... It was a pretty, pretty, pretty gutsy performance off. on Sunday from Wyndham Clark, but I, totally. I, I mean, I am with you that I feel like any of the other three guys in the top four winning would have made for a better story and a more memorable golf tournament. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I thought the moral of the story for me, I'd love to play LACC. <laughs> that 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 I I came away being like, wow, I I I could do very well out there, not necessarily score wise, but I just feel like you know. <laughs> Just being on property, I just feel like I'd I'd, I'd be in a good state of mind. That it, it seems like a very, very lush place. I'm happy to wear my my tailored pants and leave my cell phone in the car and wear a blazer in the in the clubhouse after five o'clock and follow all their fucking stuffy rules. I'm, I'm in. Hey, bend me, shape me, do whatever. You, I'm I'm here. I'm here to follow rules. You know, I'm here to follow rules and take swings. You know, I'll shave. I'll do a crew cut haircut if you need yeah. me to. Hat, no hat. I don't care. Yeah, sounds great. That sounds absolutely great. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I, I, watching those guys play that golf course, I thought was actually pretty pretty fun too. Um, you know, crowd side. Totally. Speaking of great golf courses, last two notes here: uh, the U.S. Open at Pe- you. I'm sorry, the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach is next week. So excited! Hoorah! Team Rose, baby, <laughs> all day. Fellow Irvine native, Rose Zhang. She's she is going to be a problem. <laughs> she might already be a problem. I mean, shit, she yeah. almost won the PGA Championship last week. Yeah. Which also... She's sick, dude. Pretty nuts that in the women's side of things that the the women's PGA Championship and the women's US Open is just like two weeks apart. And Baltersall and Pebble. Yeah, it's fucking tight. Sick. Yeah. Very sick. Yeah, it is very sick. Um, yeah, man. Super, super cool. So you got Pebble next week for the US Women's Open. And then it just got announced that Kingston Heath, uh, one of the, you know, one of the best golf courses in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, neighbors with Royal Melbourne, is going to be hosting the 2020 President's Cup. Based on how things went when Tiger was down there in 2019, I think that's going to shape up to be another really fun international golf competition. So pretty stoked about that. Do you, do you know anything about Kingston Heath? Just from the President's Cup in 2019. and or, Yeah, and it was awesome. Yeah, Sandbelt Golf down in Australia, very, just very awesome. But probably, probably number one on the global bucket list for me in terms of golf trips. At this point, like yeah. I, I would say, probably even over Ireland for me, which is crazy, just because I want to visit very, Melbourne anyway. Yeah, yeah, it'd be very sweet. Well, whenever we make it down there, Andy, we'll probably try to go with a crew, you know, eight, twelve of us or something like that. And when we do that, we're gonna have to figure out some sort of a tournament. You know, so some sort of a, a tournament format to play, which takes us right into our main segment of the evening. Um, You're truly a professional, Kyle. That that segue was just... I am to please. Uh, so, originally I was thinking of doing a, like, some sort of a, like a draft where we just, you know, pick our favorite tournament formats. And then I realized that idea was really dumb. I'm not Bill Simmons. I don't need to shoehorn like a draft element into every discussion we have. Even though I love Bill Simmons, uh, big big fan of a show, um, it, it just didn't seem appropriate. So I th- I figured we just go through you know a couple of different playing formats 
and kind of I wanted to see what you like and what you don't like and see if we can help anybody who's listening who's thinking about planning a trip for them and their buddies or they're going somewhere and they need to determine what you know what format to play with their friends or with their friends of friends whoever whoever they're in playing in this tournament with um i've got lots of thoughts and the main reason that i'm bringing this to you andy and i mentioned it before both at the top of the show and before we started recording is that i have an idea for one of our rounds at the suave cup the the event that we play in abandoned dunes every november and i have actually already shared this with three of our buddies i was going to call you when i thought of it on sunday night it was like nine fifteen in the evening seemed very inappropriate just to call you out of the blue at a quarter past nine on a Sunday night, so I refrained. Uh, there was two buddies that I knew would not give a shit that are always up until 3 a.m. on any given night anyway. I was able to reach one of them, got their thoughts, have since talked to two more of our buddies. Um, the reactions I've gotten to this proposed tournament format idea have been, let's call it mixed. I think there's a, a, large, a large amount of excitement. Uh, combined with a reasonable amount of trepidation. Okay. So maybe what I'll do here, maybe I'll just start off with kind of what I'm thinking about for this tournament, and then we can kind of go into the other stuff, unless you just want to start listing some stuff out. But no, I want, I'm, I, you have me at the edge of my seat. Okay. I, I have to hear your proposal. So for, for anybody who's curious, so this tournament that we play in, this is a large event, right? We have 56 golfers that participate in this event, but this could be... Um, you could play this tournament format for anything, like any multiples of like eight players, right? And that is, for, for three days, you know, there are two-person teams and you play three other two-person teams over three days. We play best ball match play with a points-based system. So one thing I'll ask you, Andy, is before we started doing the Suave Cup in this format, had you ever played match play with a point system before? No. What did you think about it? Because the way it works for everybody who's listening is that you have match play. So your two-person team is playing against another two-person team. And in best ball, whichever teammate has the better score in that hole, your team just uses that score, that one score, and it goes up against the other team's best score for their two players. And rather than in traditional match play where you either just win the hole or you lose the hole, you go one up, one down, and then just kind of try to get to a point where you have your more holes up than there are holes remaining, you win the match. In this format that we play, there's no winning the match just in terms of matches over. Every single hole, all 18 holes are kind of their own individual match, where if you win that hole, you get two points. If you tie the hole, you get one point. If you lose the hole, you don't get any points. And you're just trying to accumulate as many points as possible. And then after your three matches for those three days, whichever team has the highest point total, they win. Um, first of all, do you... Do you have any preference between something like a points-based versus just, hey, let's just have these matches. Like, we won the match today, we're 1-0. Lost the match, to, you know, mm-hmm. lose tomorrow's match, we're 1-1. One one. Now we got to win day three to go 2-1. and one. Yeah, I mean, with last year being the first year that we did it, um, when we talked about it before we went, I was super fired up about it. I thought it was super cool because you're never out of the, like, every hole matters to your point, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you're not just losing four and three and then it, the day's over. Um, I guess retroactively looking back at it and like, especially like the way that our flight shook out is it's kind of like what we talked about with like the, the high scores and the chasing, right? If somebody just gets drubbed in on the first day, mm-hmm. it like, I think at one point I want to say there was like a, 
27-19 type match. Um, and that does vault some... Like, you can really boat race somebody in one round and be... 27-9. Way, way up. 27-9. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it was... I, it probably wasn't that big. But there was a, a pretty large discrepancy at one point. Um, and so that made it kind of like, eh, like, you know, we finished whatever, 1917 and lost basically one down. And now at 17 points, we're in like a distant fourth or a distant third. Yeah. So Uh, it sounds to me like it probably wouldn't make it any better if you were wanting to kind of guard against, you know, somebody basically getting out to like, because I was thinking, hey, could you include like an overall match element to you? Do you award points to a team? For also winning like the overall match in like a traditional match play on top of those points, but in that scenario, it actually sounds it's like it would just make it worse. Yeah. The rich get richer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, also, the flip side though is, hey, you had 18 chances to win a match today. Why did totally. why did you lose 14 of them? Yeah, no, agreed. Um, and that would be a question for one of the other teams yeah. that just got drugged. Um, Although I will say this, we are making some changes this year, and I do think this will be helpful because I don't know if you noticed this, but when you're doing all these kinds of tournaments, um, unless you just have you know, a ton of people that are just sticks and you want to play everything straight up and play it gross, there is like a handicapping element to all this. And we did notice last year that the teams you know, in the flights that just seem to have the most strokes often did pretty well. Um, and so I think in a format like you know this best ball and match play kind of stuff like that, I do think you need to try to... Uh, tamper down the effect of the handicaps and just to make everything a little more equitable. So I think for this year, we're going to be using 60 or 70% of everybody's handicaps, um, which I think sort of levels everything out a little bit. It also allows players that are of like a more varying skill set to still play in like the same flight and not have it be mm-hmm. quite so, hey, I'm having to give away 15 strokes today. I'm basically fucked. Um yeah. yeah, there's there's just no no more of that. So I th- I think that will be helpful. But by and large, th- this format that we use um, is used at a lot of like member guests um, mm-hmm. around the country. Uh, it, I think yeah, it was a raging. Success. Yeah, it, it's not like a it's not a totally out there format idea. But typically, when you do something like this, there's a bunch of flights. You know, each flight is you know eight teams like we did. Sometimes there's five nine hole matches. So there's like six teams in a flight, and you're playing like five nine hole matches. It 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 can work all kinds of different ways. For our tournament. We do three 18-hole matches in a flight of four teams, right? Um, and then a lot of member guest events, to determine the overall champion, they'll bring in all of the flight winners and uh, be, uh, sometimes even some wild card teams. So maybe the teams that score the most points but don't necessarily win their division to go out for a horse race. A horse race is alt shot. Um, so alternate shot, you know, you one teammate hits one shot, the other teammate hits the next shot until you get through the hole. And... Everybody plays in the same group. So let's say there's seven flight winners and five wildcard teams. All 12 teams play together at the same time. Whatever like the couple teams are that have the worst score on that first hole, they're out. And then it just keeps moving forward until you finally just have one team. If you are at a private club or you're doing a member guest or you've rented out a golf course, that is an amazing, amazing way to play. It's so, so much fun. Um, but if you're putting together a golf trip where you're going to a resort or a public golf course where you can't just shut the whole golf course down for your group, you have to come up with some alternative ideas, right? Ways that you can go out, play 18 holes, um, 
you know, in in foursomes or groups of four, and still come up with a really fun format to determine the winner. And that is where I found myself playing the Suave Cup last year, and you know, th- thinking about future tournaments with with Suave as well. And last year we decided to go with a jumble, which was the first six holes was best ball, the second six holes was alternate shot, the last six holes was a two man scramble, and we used Stableford scoring. Um, as as the means to determining the winner, and then we added that score on to um, whatever your point total was from the first three days. I think it turned out to be pretty great. We did have kind of an out of nowhere winner. There was one team that just came and just lit the golf course on fire. You know, props to to, to Nick and Adam if you guys are listening. Really, really well done. Um, and I liked it, but there was a little part of me, Andy, that thought, I think we can do even better. What, what, when, when you walked away from last year's Suave Cup, did you immediately think there was any, like, formatting things that could be changed to in, improve the proceedings? And, and please do not hold any punches. This, this is, we, we are workshopping here. I am using this public forum, this podcast, to think through things, hopefully get some input from the listeners. By the way, anybody who's listening to this, if you're screaming, you know, screaming into your AirPods right now, being like, oh, you should do this, do this, please let us know. Nice grass, nice people at gmail.com. We have we have an email for this pod. Uh, l- let us know if you have any thoughts on anything we're about to talk about. So I'll, I'll pose to you, Mr. Ferding. Any format things that you would have liked to see done differently or things you'd like to see changed up? No, so I had never done the jumble before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember when we talked about it before we left. I was super fired up about it. Um, granted, we did not win our flight, and we were not a wild card team, so we were not participating. Um, we still did play the jumble format, and I think we shot like sixty-seven or something. Sick. You guys, you guys um, played very well, which was a little too little, too late. But neither here nor there. Um, so I thought that was a true Zach Blair awesome. situation. Yeah, um, I think the only pushback that we got like generally which we sort of anticipated was around all shot right and everyone especially people that were there a lot of people coming into the clubhouse and telling me that they got absolutely wrecked on the all shot i think all shot is sick i do too (laughs) i'm with you now granted you are we are both you know four or five six handicaps right so we're like both pretty decent golfers i think all shot if you are like a decent golfer all shot is really fun i think all shot once you get into handicaps that are 12 13 14 and higher i could see it can be I, I i can understand it being a real grind for sure for sure and but i think it's it seemed like you know it was there's and especially a place like bannon right where potentially you're you know you're you're playing world-class golf courses and maybe you're playing there for the first time, there's a desire to want to play your own ball for 18 holes. For sure. Um, and that's why I, I always resisted doing anything other than any format that you'd play your own ball. But I feel like for this tournament specifically, because there's been so many guys that have been going to Bandon and are making their fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth trips to Bandon, that it was finally okay to have one round where maybe you wouldn't be playing your own ball the whole time. Totally. Um, that was kind of the sentiment that I got because in addition to everybody coming off the golf course and being like, dude, I got absolutely ejected during the all shot. But holy shit, the scramble for the last six holes was super fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it, it, it is kind of the the two flavors there. Um, but I loved it, man. I, I thought it was I thought it was awesome. It's a great like kind of change of pace, mix it up a little bit, do something different. Um, so I don't like truly know that I would change anything. Okay. Um, Which is good. But I am looking through your your list of the um, you know the 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 different formats that you have listed out and happy to to talk through. There is one I think that uh, piques my interest a little bit. Mm. Do, do you mind sharing which one that might be? Quota. Quota. Okay. So I'm glad you mentioned that because that, as of right now, is the format that is going to be put in place for the Suave Golf Trip that we are putting together next March. I love it. Um, there's going to be a quota impact where basically every team, like every player and every team is going to have a quota um, that they have to hit in order to qualify for the, the championship match. So that the, the, we'll get a little bit more. Quota is kind of like a, it's similar to Stableford in the fact that you are, you know, awarded a specific amount of points for different scores you have. But in Stableford, where you're just accumulating points and you're just trying to get the highest score, you have a certain point total based on your skills that you have to get to in order to even, you know, qualify. And then, you know, or it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a variation of Stableford, but I'm with you in that, like, I really love the quota game, especially as a, as a yeah. massive strap fan. You know, it's just, totally. it's just been something that always looks like it's really, really fun. Um, okay. Based on everything we've said, I have an idea to change the formatting for the championship for the Swap Cup. So everything is going to still remain the same for the first three days, right? You still have your pool play. Yep. Your uh, flight winners and wildcard teams will go on to the championship match. Now, I don't know if this is a little gimmicky, but this is, this is why I need you in here, Andy. Based on the feedback we got about the alt shot and the scramble, I am considering... Not yet formally proposing, but I am strongly considering changing the championship to a two-man scramble for all 18 holes. I think, okay. it, I think it would be better than alt shot because at least with the scramble, everybody will get to hit shots from everywhere on the golf course. Plus, yep. scrambles in general are just, especially two-man scrambles, I think much more so than a four-man scramble, are just super fun. You don't get to play them. Some of the most fun rounds of golf I've ever had have been two-man scrambles. So I think it will, from a team aspect, it'll make it a little bit more fun and more of a like a team game as opposed to doing the best ball. Mm-hmm. Now, there are going to be several teams that have players with handicaps that are more than 10, 10 strokes apart. So in order to make sure that every group is responsible, I think we're going to mandate at least seven tee shots from each player to be used. Interesting. Seven tee shots from each player will need to be used. And get this, I may reduce that number because it was brought to my attention. Somebody was telling me they played in a scramble tournament where not only was there a mandated amount of tee shots that had to be used from both partners, there was also a mandated amount of approach shots that had to be used by both partners. And to them, an approach shot is identified as any shot over 50 yards from the green that's not a tee shot. So it could be like hmm. every, you know, each each teammate has to, you know, you have to use six tee shots and six approach shots at least from each teammate. I think the tough part would be regulating and getting guys yeah. to actually do it. Does it, 
the latter part, especially with the approach shots, just do you think that's yeah. even realistic to ask guys to be able to keep track of all that stuff? I think it's sick. I think the idea is sick. I love where your head's at right now. Okay. Love what we're talking okay. about. Okay. <laughs> it's a good start. Do I think that it's feasible for a normal group of people? I would. Do I think that it's feasible potentially for the, the group that we've identified mm. that's going to be joining us? Mm-hmm. I'm 50-50. Okay. More so on the approach stuff, the drives, or both? The approach, the approach stuff specifically. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I'd have to kind of figure out some sort of a way to build the scorecards out where it'd be easy to, like, mark down so it'd be easy to track. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing. I will have to, and if I want to go through with this format that I'm about to propose to you, we will have to do some custom scorecard type stuff to help people tr- keep track of things because towards the end of the round, there is something that people will have to be very mindful of. So I'll continue. Please. Before before I, I, I get to this last, because again, it, we could just do two-man scramble like we did last year and then just have like stable for points, but I think we can do better. I agree. In your opinion, what do you think two scratch golfers would shoot on a average difficulty 18-hole golf course in a two-man scramble? Two scratch golfers. So, like, if a scratch golfer goes out to a golf mm-hmm. course of average difficulty and plays well, not great, but plays well, the expectation is they shoot even par, right? The course rating is mm-hmm. 72. That's what a scratch golfer goes. Mm-hmm. In a scramble format with two scratch golfers on a similarly difficult golf course, what do we expect them to shoot? 64. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, that's that's basically exactly what I was thinking. 64. I, Between, like, I would say, like, 62 on the low end and 67. Mm-hmm. So in this format idea, we're going to basically use that as the baseline, the, the scratch baseline. So let's say 62, and everybody's team handicaps – you know, would play off that adjusted number. So let's say your scramble team, you know, uh, handicap is four, and let's say we set the baseline at 62. Well, then your baseline number is a 66. Okay? Now, this is not quota. This is going to be used Mm -hmm. for strokes. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of each round, or at the beginning of the round, I will give each team a flag with their names on it and their number on it, their quota number. So let's say you and I are playing together and our playing handicap is a four and we're playing off 62, so our number is 66. Yep. We play our round. Whenever we hit our 66th shot of the day, if we're not already done, whenever you and I hit our 66th shot, wherever that ball comes to rest, we stake our flag and we just leave it there. Mm-hmm. whichever team gets their flag closest to the 18th hole takes the chip. Wow. This is called flags. Then you, you've created this? No, I, 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 I read about this somewhere, and then I was like, it's an interesting idea for like a foursome. How could we make this work for a large group? And that's where I had to start doing some thinking of like, all right, what's like the baseline 
scratch score that you would be doing like the numbers mm-hmm. off of because also I think you want to have the number somewhat artificially low because you either want only one or two teams to even finish before they get to their yeah. number or you almost don't want anybody to finish and just see which team yeah. can get it closest to the finish line before it's all done. Now, I will concede there is a little, you know, a gimmicky aspect that I think some guys are a little nervous about, justifiably mm-hmm. so. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's also a question of what are, you know, if multiple teams get to the end of their round, what are the playoffs, stuff like that? I've thought of all this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think one thing that people would make people a little nervous is for this tournament, we also do a Calcutta at the beginning of the tournament, mm-hmm. which obviously puts a lot of money at stake. I would actually be in favor of eliminating the overall winner as part of the Calcutta, where the Calcutta would just pay out the flight winners for the first three days, and then the mm-hmm. overall winners would just be the grand prize from 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 the, the tournament committee. So there wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily be mm-hmm. a monetary stake for all the people that were gambling in the Calcutta beforehand, yep. which I think yep. would yep. relieve a lot of anxiety related to this. Yeah. Um, so... I'm going to give you the floor here real quick just to share your initial thoughts, good, bad, indifferent. I just, I kind of want to just take a little temperature of where your head's at here. You know, I kind of feel like I'm at one of those like Michelin star restaurants and there's so many flavors that are being <laughs> thrown at me that my I'm palate is a little bit overwhelmed. Um, I love it. Kyle Keller I love is my it. new name. Yeah, I love it. Um, I think the, well, we would have to figure, I think on paper, the idea is phenomenal. Okay. I think logistically, I have some concerns. Okay. Um, I also think the benefit that you have uh, is that the tournament committee is extremely reputable. They are. And Stand up guys. Strong Strong tournament for over a decade now. Lots of trust there, unlike Uncle Jay. Um, so I think you could sell it if you made it easy enough for people to keep track of. Yeah. I want to throw one wrinkle at you. Please. No, I, I, any, any feedback and input is, is, is much appreciated. And again, this is just, you know, if you like it, take it. If not, throw it right back at me. Yeah. But I think that you and I have had this conversation before. Because you, when you said two-man scrambles is one of the most fun formats I've ever played, mm-hmm. I agree. One of the most fun four-man formats I've ever played is a shamble. Mm. What if we did it as a two-man shamble instead of a scramble. I love where your head's at. So then my question to you would be, would it be like it a... It sh- up some of your... Well, no, no. So, so basically then the question would just be, is this a two-man shamble best ball? Because in a shamble, for anybody that doesn't know, and this is kind of getting into our other tournament ideas, is that it's a scramble off the tee. So both players hit a tee shot. You pick the best tee shot between those two, and then you each play your own ball from that point through the hole. So in this in this scenario, you would you each team would be carding two scores. So in this situation, are we just thinking that it would be a shamble best ball 
where you play in a shamble and then you just count the better ball as your team score for each hole. I, I would think that it is a shamble best ball, but I think a lot of the wrinkles that you threw in, seven tee shots, approach shots, even if you wanted to make it holes that had to be taken. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's interesting. So basically having a, like a mandate of like, hey, you have to take X amount of scores from each player. Five interesting. holes per, you know. Okay. Or, again, I'm, I'm not sure with the handicap variance how this would work out. It's, it's certainly, I don't even think that it's half-baked. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking, because I love a shamble. I do too. And that solves for everyone wanting to play their own ball. Yes. In a more fun way. In a more fun way. Where you're just you're basically optimizing the tee shots and then playing your own ball from that point in. Correct. I don't hate it. I actually I, I think that is really worth considering. And um I mean do you th- just like an alternative, um I mean here's the thing, like for another alternative we could do I mean obviously there's the three ways that we played last year, right? The the best ball, all shot and scramble any one of those for all 18 holes would theoretically work in this scenario i do think um it will be a little harder to track your team scores if you're doing a best ball just because you have two scores and you just figure out where Mm -hmm. your strokes are at so you know what your total is Mm -hmm. so you know when to drop your flag not impossible by any means um and again if we just design the scorecards where you actually are listing out you know you have both player scores and then like a box where you have like the best ball score that you can keep track of, that would make it easy enough. And so I think that gives mm-hmm. me that gives me some hope that something like a shamble could work. Um, you know, a shamble is, you know, th- th- there's there's a lot of different like formats we could play where each player would card their own score, and then you'd use the better ball, right? You have um, the shamble. You would have obviously just playing traditional best ball. Uh, but then there's also a couple formats like I was referring to where your team just has one score. The two players are only going to card one score, right? You have Scramble, mm-hmm. um, a Chapman. We actually played a Chapman format, I believe, at the uh, the 2021 Spring Jamboree so down far. in Ventura County. Um, yep. By the time we get to day four of this trip, guys have usually been on their bender for 96-plus hours at this point. So, uh, you know brain cognition functionality is not it, it's not optimal and so i wonder mm-hmm. if throwing something like a chapman format at everybody for the final round would that just be asking for trouble and for anybody who's curious chapman it's sometimes referred to as the piner system it is a mixture of a couple different formats where each player hits their tee shot then you play alt shot with two balls in play where if me and andy are paired together Andy would hit his tee shot, then I would go hit that ball for my second, and Andy would go hit wherever I hit my tee shot for his second. And then after each ball has been hit twice, then you make the determination whose ball is in a better spot. You pick up the worst ball, and you play just pure alt shot from there through the hole. Really, really fun. Like, unbelievably fun to play. But again, it might get to one of those things where part of the reason we think it's so fun is because we have... a, you know, a monochrome of skill. Uh, whereas, is that Small. something that you know, two guys that are paired together who are an eighteen and a twenty-three handicap, are they going to like the Chapman? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's tough to I say. Mean, I think you're thinking about it. You're thinking about it in the right way in terms of like kind of the lowest common denominator working backwards to make sure that it's like an inclusive thing for everybody. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the reason that I gravitated to a scramble at first as opposed to like a shamble is purely just from a like a fun standpoint. Like it, just, yeah. like a fun and also basic. Like you all, yeah. you all, you all know how to play scramble. It's just you and your partner hit every shot, take with take the better one. As long as you guys use X amount of drives or whatever from from, from each person, um, yep. but I, admittedly, if if the group was up for it, a shamble format for this final day would be unbelievably fun, like a best ball shamble. Yep. The other thing that I'm thinking, mm-hmm. because I think to your point of the flags aspect of it, and wanting to not have to deal with a playoff, is maybe. We use live as our number fifty-four. <laughs> little little homage to the guys. And then no one's shooting a fifty-four. So there's that guarantees us flags on the golf course. Yeah, and I, I will say this: they, just the idea because we haven't done it in the past, but I think I'm going to do my best to try to organize it so all the leaders are going out last because the idea of like being like in a group, having the whole, you know, the rest of the 50 guys kind of waiting for you around 18, the last hole or two. And all of a sudden you get to 15 and all of a sudden you just see a flag out in the middle of the fairway. You're like, Oh shit, Mm -hmm. it's starting. And kind of, as you creep on to 16 and 17, all of a sudden you start seeing a smattering of flags everywhere. I mean like, Oh shit. Like I'm going to check the scorecard. Where are we? How many strokes do we have left? And then just getting, you know, if you make it all the way to the 18th tee, and just seeing like a couple flags out there, being like, "Do I need to fucking bomb one to get it past? Get it past that yeah. flag? Is there one up on the green? I, I, I can't really tell. Let's get you know, let's get the yardage finder out. Let's get a scope on the green. See if we can see something up there. And just having like the task at hand, just laid right out there in front of you, just sounds really exhilarating. And that and that's the part that I keep coming back to. Like, I just think the excitement and just the kind of cool vibe it would put out with the flags smattered across those last couple holes." would just make for, like, a really fun environment and, like, a cool way for us totally. to crown our champion. I'm just but – but I'm also very mindful of, you know, the formats and – I don't know. Does that does that feel gimmicky to you, I guess, is the question I'll ask. I don't think so. It's – I think it's it's about, like, how you explain it and sell it, right? And I think – if we tell somebody to, you know, listen to the last 40 minutes of the podcast, <laughs> they're going to be like, get the fuck out of here. You guys are high. Like, this is way too much. Also not totally incorrect. But I think but I think if we, like, very clearly say, like, here's the format. It's this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, answer questions. Like, I think you can get buy-in on that. Okay. I just have to simplify and like make it very easy for people to score it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So that's going to be the challenge. I mean, it sounds to me like shamble and scramble are probably the two. Is there any chance like if what if we wanted to go back and just do a jumble again and have that be the scoring? Is that is that yeah. something that you think the guys would be on board with? Is that something would you prefer something like that as opposed to one format for all 18 holes? 
I think... Or keep it even more simple, like best ball on the front, scramble on the back, or, or, or something kind of like that. Because I think there was, like, some murmurs last year of, like, oh, the jumble, like, all these different formats, and, you know, hemming and hawing about it. And I think once everyone did it, they had a ton of fun doing it. Um, so, I... I actually almost think what you're proposing is like more straightforward than the jumble. I kind of think so too. It's just, again, I think it's just how we package it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would tend to agree. Yeah. I, I think I don't, uh, it, it, it will require, again, this is a group with a lot, lot of guys in sales on this team. Like, I mean, you tell me how is how easy it, easy is it to, to sell to a, you know, a sales guy or it, is it more difficult or is it easier because they understand what's, you know, the process is trying, trying to take place. Yeah. I mean, I speaking for myself personally, I think I'm like one of the easiest guys to sell to. Um, but I think it's, I think you're kind of on one end of the spectrum or the other. Yeah. You're either an easy sell or you're like a total dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, now, we did promise these people that we were going to come out with some other form, format ideas. So I think it would be, you know, it'd be worthwhile to kind of just go through, a, you know, a couple of the other ones that we haven't mentioned yet. Now, last year we said that we did a Stableford format for everything. Uh, is there any, in a way, the, the the system that I proposed with the flags, in its own way, is kind of like a quota game. Is it not? Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's sort of, Mixing and mashing like a couple different formats together, which I think is would be really cool. Um, you know, something like Daytona would not work for for this, would it? Or or would it? I don't think so. Right, where you just uh, you're you're combining your two scores like a five and a six, fifty six, and then lowest score wins. I that just seems too complicated for for a big yeah, tournament I mean, like this. Too I, much math. I, th- I think games like Daytona and Vegas, where you're doing games where you're like combining your team scores. To form like a big number, like forty six or fifty six, you know, if you, mm-hmm. th- those are best enjoyed in groups of like four or eight yep. or something like that. I think because for, you're subtracting and you're just kind of keeping track. With that many people, you don't want big ass numbers, you know, and like you know, yeah. you know, multiplication. It's just I think that's too. It's just it's just, it's too complicated, right? So I, I I think sticking with something like we're talking about again, the the formats I have listed down it would be like either best ball. Scramble, shamble, all shot. Um, th- those are kind of like the ways you can get through with like a two-man team in like a multi-day or like you know a, a format like we're doing with lots and lots of players. Am, am I missing any? I don't think so. If we were, if would you prefer for most of this tournament to just be more just stroke play based as opposed to match play? Like typically, if you're going to play in a tournament, do you feel more comfortable? Just be like, "Hey, I gotta go shoot what I gotta shoot today. Let's hope it's low enough." Or do do you like the the head to head aspect of match play? I like the head to head aspect of match play. I do too, especially with potentially inclement weather, with such varied handicaps. Um, I think I prefer match play over stroke play. Sure, yeah, I, I, I would. and you can also be a little bit more. Um, like you know, stuff like gimmies and rolling balls over and things like that can kind of be agreed upon in the group and not impact the rest of the flight. Sure. 
yeah I, w- I would tend to agree um yeah man that's that's all i really got for you i mean there's a couple other format you know but now, now that we've taken you know 40 minutes to go through this i i kind of think we could sort of end it there i mean there was a couple of other you know format well no there really wasn't we kind of went through everything there's a couple four-person team format ideas yeah, if you have like say. a big group like uh Moneyball. have you ever played Moneyball before I haven't, but I have played Bingo Bango Bongo. What, what, what do you think? I have never played Bingo Bango Bongo. I'm curious if you if, if you enjoyed yourself. I did. My only gripe with Bingo Bango Bongo is you have to play in order. You have to play by rules of golf. Yes, which is like I think it kind of slows the game down a little bit. Like you're not playing ready golf. Yeah. And it's kind of same thing with Wolf. It feels like whenever you play Wolf, it's super fun, but it's always really slow. Mm-hmm. Not for the same reason, but it just is like there. There are some formats that, while really really fun, they do do slow the pace down Bingo, a little bit. Bingo Bongo is fun because of the skill discrepancy too. Like if you have a group with a big skill discrepancy, like because it's you know first on closest and first in, mm-hmm. um, it does. You know, you could have a guy on in regulation, and you can have a guy chipping for eight, and they can still win a dot on that hole, which is sweet with the closest. Yeah. Which is which is sweet. yeah, which is sweet. Uh, if you're playing like a like a four person team, uh, Moneyball actually is pretty fun. Basically, think of it like the three point shooting contest where there's a Moneyball like from one player in the group every hole, and it rotates. So if you got four guys, you know maybe you have the Moneyball on one, and then you get it again on five, right? And then you get it again on nine, and it is basically a version of two high where you have four scores, you take the two best, but the Moneyball score always counts. And then you basically take the other best score from the other three, and that's your two high format for which I actually really like. I think it's, it, that that's one of those formats where everybody gets to play their own ball. Uh, but again, for us, it's something like the Suave Cup. Where we're playing two man teams. It obviously doesn't work, but for a four person team, you know, tournament idea, mm. I really like that. That's always a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't know, man. It, am, I, am, I, am, I, am I missing anything? I don't think so. Um, but I definitely think you're onto something. Okay, we'll work. We'll, we'll continue to workshop. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, on that note, man, I just rest. It's eleven o'clock in the evening. We probably should. Uh, we probably should go to bed. I think I actually just heard my wife leave for work. <laughs> Amazing. Man, she's she's a better human than me. Yeah. Hey, she's got to go provide. Okay, you let you, you let her go. <laughs> it's her job to provide. It's, it's our. It's it's my job to podcast, and you know we're gonna, we're going to keep it that way. Um. Mr. Furtick, you said it all. It's always a pleasure, Kyle. You said it all. This is just a wonderful, a wonderful time as always. Uh, let's rendezvous back here in, in a couple weeks' time. That sounds lovely. Okay. Anytime you'll have me, I'm happy to come. Love that. All right. Andy, adios to everybody else. Thank you for listening. Leave us a uh, review of the five, you know, and maybe a five-star, you know, rating of, 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 you know, whatever your podcast player of choice is. Uh, if you don't, that's okay, too. We're just glad you like the podcast. All right, until next time, everybody. Adios.